never heard of the Eye of Argon. Where does that come from? Uh, I honestly, it was just some dude who wrote it as a novella, Jim Theus. Like, uh, but what is it? It's just uh, it's a high, low fantasy barbarian a la Conan, but badly written. But badly written, but as opposed to Conan, which is so brilliantly written. The enthused barbarian swiveled, yeah, swiveled about his shock of fiery red hair, tossing robustly in the humid air currents as oh, he attacked. He faced the attack of defeated soldiers, fellow at arms. Just somewhere in there, his quivering member thrust deeply. Oh, that comes later. That <laughs> case, stop there. <laughs> you make love well, wench. Admitted Grignir no, as he reached for the me. vessel of potent wine. His charge had been quaffing. Oh, dear Christ on a Christ. <laughs> Let us begin. <laughs> this is just going to be an hour and a half of us screaming. It can't, be, it can't be an hour and a half of us doing that. Yeah, but like you said during the movie, yeah, we'll lose 400 listeners. But my question is the ones who stay. Those are the ones that creep me the hell out. Okay, hello and welcome to We Came From The 80s, the pod... Shut up. (laughs) Do I have to do this in an Austrian accent? I'm waiting for you to break it out. I really was. Okay, sorry. Hello and welcome to We Came From The 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool. I am Farron, and I am joined today by Adam. Do, Do I have to? What is best in life? What was it? Two age war to drive your enemies amongst your uh, under your heel. Oh, and you, th- you suck. Yeah. Well, you know what? You're not doing any better. Yeah, you're so, so unenthusiastic about it. If I die, tell my wife I said hello. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> for the record, it is to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentations of, of the women. women. Not yes. their women. The women. The women. He didn't have the the range to go with there. <laughs> so the range. <clears throat> so today we're doing. Conan the Barbarian, which premiered on the 14th of May, 1982. It was directed by John Milius, and we've actually done him before. Yes. His next movie was Red Dawn. Right. Uh, wow, what a, what a difference between these movies. No kidding. Uh, eh? This was written by John Milius, and we were both shocked to discover Oliver Stone. Yeah, so that really came, but it, it makes perfect sense once you watch the movie and you're kind of looking at it analytically. But yeah, like, like there's a lot of, like this is a very artistic movie. And very. You, and you, okay, you hear Conan the Barbarian and, go, and you hear Arnold Schwarzenegger, you go, yeah, right. But it seriously is artistic and you can see like Oliver Stone brought the art. Yeah. But this would have been early on. I don't think he, I don't know how many movies he'd done by then. Haven't got a but clue. But still, like that's, that's an impressive pedigree. It really know, is. You know? uh, so it, it's adapted Oh, sorry. Adapted from a script by Oliver Stone. Okay. Oh, so that's what it is. So he probably okay. wrote the original and then Milnius or Milius, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. tinkered with it. Right. Uh, and it's all based on the books by Robert E. Howard, who did the original Conan books. My understanding is he was kind of a shut-in. He wrote his books hidden in a desert somewhere. It was, that doesn't surprise me. No, it, it's... This doesn't... These are these are not stories that come from someone who's well-adjusted. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this movie stars Arnold Schwarzenegger... Uh, James Earl Jones, Mako, and our favorite, 
playing the uh, the honorable Eastern Warrior Subotai Jerry Lopez <laughs> <laughs> from Hawaii. From Hawaii. Oh, from Hawaii. Yeah. And that was just it. it was just, and they're like, oh yeah, what's this? What's this guy's name? Yeah, we, Jerry we, Lopez. Jerry Lopez. Jesus All right, he's Christ. playing like the. Either Mongolian or Chinese yeah. character. We're well, it could have been worse, sure. you know, Subatoy, played by Sven Largensen. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, that, that's the only way that could have been worse. But yeah, it's so this movie, I'm sure you'll be just shocked to discover, was rated R. Really? Yeah, I know. This is very surprising. Yeah. Um, it was made on a budget of $20 million, Okay. So $5 million more than the standard 80s payout. Right. And it only made thirty nine point five. So it- Really? Know, double-ish what it cost. Yeah. But, I mean, this Successful movie- Successful enough to get a sequel. Yeah, and and the movie and that movie cost a little bit less. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think they spent eighteen million. Okay, and they made a little bit less, but it's the same ratio. It made right. about double. Yeah, I mean these movies have a very limited reach. I mean, nineteen eighty two, who was watching movies like this? I mean, I suppose the people who had read the books or just in general liked action because when you yeah like when you see the poster for this thing i mean it's just it's, it's a heavy du- metal poster yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a heavy metal poster with action promised and yeah, schwarzenegger or, or not so much heavy metal it's either heavy metal or off the side of a panel van like those gorgeous paintings that people yeah, yeah. used to do on the sides of those like because that's what especially the woman is yeah that's that's what she is she's yeah. right off of a heavy yeah. metal cover um but yeah that's the art direction here yeah but, and i love it but the art direction in this movie like this influenced movies for the next 10, Ever. 15 years. I mean, I mean, I'd still argue that we're being influenced by it. Um, sort of. I mean, you get the, like, after Lord of the Rings, everything tries to be Lord of the Rings, which right. is high fantasy. This right. is, I guess, low fantasy, though. So I'm sure someone will correct us yeah. angrily on Facebook. I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, they really went balls out because most of, you think of fantasy films like uh, Dragon Slayer, which I recently watched, okay. which isn't great. It's a Disney film, believe it or not. Huh. Um, a lot of those were made to be PG. Mm-hmm. Like, they want to attract the kids. Right. This movie said, screw it. This is an R-rated film. Yeah. But I appreciate that. And and it took, I think, a long time for Hollywood to get back to that with, like, say, Deadpool. Yeah. Where the, like, can you imagine Deadpool is like a PG-13? Well, it wouldn't be Deadpool. It would be the Deadpool that we got at the end of Wolverine Origins. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, like, a, what was the last of the Wolverine films? Where was the old, where was the old man Wolverine where, where uh, Xavier dies and he dies in the end? You know what I'm talking yeah, about, yeah, right? Yeah, where yeah. He, he's a limo driver and like yeah. that couldn't have been done as anything other than R. No. And Hollywood is figuring out like, yeah, we're going to lose the teen crowd, but they're going to watch it. They're just going to pay for it on Netflix yeah, exactly. anyway, or they're going to pay to rent it digitally. Yeah. We're going to do just fine. Yeah. And again, I think, um, I think Hollywood forgot that. Like even the next film that Milius did, right. Red Dawn, yeah. that's like PG. It was the first movie that it was, was PG thirteen. Yeah, the first movie that was yeah. PG thirteen. In fact, um, like though, of course, you know, you think of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Believe it or not, that was just PG. Yeah, yeah heart tearing out in the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, it's, but I mean, well, th- but that's the weird American thing, yeah. right? You can, if it's, it's R rated, if you say the word fuck or you show yeah. breasts, yeah. it's immediately R, yeah. but you could hack and slash and gore and gouge and extract and consume all you want. Right. And it's PG, which is creepy that Hollywood is totally fine with kids seeing, you know, death and dismemberment. Yeah, that's cool. But a boob. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. You know, 50% of the audience, it's really not a big deal. And the other 50% of the audience, it's a good deal. Well, let's be honest here. I don't know if that's a 50-50 split for people who went to go see Conan in the theater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure the only women going to see this film were on dates. Fair. And 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 first, last, and only dates. Ah, Babe, right. you're totally going to love this film, man. No, it's... yeah. 
I don't know. <laughs> but it's uh, well, like this is a, like I said, this is a fever dream from a guy who paints the sides of panel vans. It, it really, really is. it does have those fever dream moments for sure. Yeah, it, but it's it's a really artistic film, and I love it. it. Is. So yeah, so you said you'd seen this before. I had seen a good chunk of this before. I I didn't know how much I hadn't seen. I got to the point where they had. Uh, infiltrated the tower of the snake and stole the macguffin the gem the of gem yeah the eye of the snake the eye of the snake that's the what eye it was snake, sure <laughs> i i had seen up until then and i don't remember what it was that caused me to <laughs> walk away from the film but something did and, and i just never bu- ring. Yeah, yeah exactly and then i just never wound up finishing how old it. were you when you do you, how long how old do you figure you were oh i was i was out of high school i was 19 oh, okay. or so probably so i was nowhere near like you know, the 13-year-old kid who got to see this for the first time because his parents rented it for him, or um, or I wasn't the right age, obviously, when this yeah. came out to I was go not see 13, it. sir. I was seven. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. But, no, I mean, this movie came out in 82, so I was seven-ish. Well, just before my seventh birthday, because my birthday is at the end of May, and this was 14th of May. Okay. I would have seen it probably the next year. Right. Almost certainly I rented this. Yeah. My parents would not have cared that it was rated R. They had no problem with me seeing R-rated films, as long as I understood this is the movies. Yeah. But you're talking to a, you're talking to a guy who's been watching the news since he was like three years old. Right. So I still have my first, like my oldest memory is witnessing the Israeli invasion of Lebanon. Mm-hmm. That was like 1981. So... I understood the difference between real and not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't a problem, you know, and, uh, you know, watching sword and slash films, it's very clear by looking around you. I grew up totally normal. Yes. One, two, Evidently. three, four. Yeah, I'll mm-hmm. stop counting the, yeah. the swords now. But yeah, it's, it's as a kid, I, I never liked fantasy. I didn't dislike this film, but I've never been a fantasy guy. Right. Uh, though I do adore Lord of the Rings because I love the use of language. Okay. Uh, Silmarillion, same thing, which right. is a much better written book. Okay. Silmarillion is the yeah, yeah, it's prequel. The, it's the extended um, universe stuff of Tolkien. Well, it's not even, there's not really extended. It's just he wrote that decades before he wrote Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's, but, it's like the source material. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But uh, I never really liked uh, fantasy. And this one, this is like low fantasy. Everyone, Everyone's so dirty. Everyone looks like, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. You know, it's all it's it's one step above caveman sort of thing. Yeah, and it never impressed me. Now I appreciate the film for its artistry, right? For its 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 music, which mm-hmm. is unbelievable, and the, the cinematography, and even the costuming, which is you know, it's all fetish, it's all fetish <laughs> gear. It really is it leather this and spiked that and chain mm-hmm. this, and the the sets are gorgeous. Like, there's no scene in this film you couldn't watch and just appreciate for the art that was put into it. Yeah. Which again, when you yeah. think about who did this and the movie he did next, which is Red Dawn, which is this very right wing, minimalist, raw, raw, raw patriot bullshit. Right. It's surprising that the same director did both. It is, but I mean, like, you're also working from, you know, really evocative source material a uh, and a initial script by a fantastic Stone, officer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you said, oh. you said uh, Oliver Stone, and I was going to say author, and then it just came out as officer. Awesome. Uh, I'm not so drunk as you think yeah, I am. Yeah, officer, yeah. yeah. Um, it came out by Oliver Stone. Uh, you're yeah. working with great material, so mm-hmm. at that point, you've kind of got the groundwork laid. You just need to make it, yeah, artistic visually. But a shitty director will do a shitty job of very great true. Very true. material. Um, you know, like there's some great films out there. You're like, wow, they needed a better director. Yeah. That's all they needed. If they had all the pieces, but sometimes you see these, these terrible movies with these great casts and mm-hmm. you say, how the hell did that happen? Mm-hmm. Well, even the best actor needs something to work with. Right. And if you have an idiot director, 
you're screwed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this film, I haven't seen it at this point in two years. Okay. I first thought we would do this uh, almost right from the start. So I watched this and we were going to watch my initial plan that we would do Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer and do one podcast. Right. Uh, but I watched the two of them one after the other and Conan the Destroyer, which is the direct sequel, I think it was made a couple years later, is inferior in every way. It's awful. Mm-hmm. Because they made it a comedy. He's set to escort this teenage girl to a, it turns out to her own human sacrifice. Everything that was great about this film, they cheapened in the next one. Okay. Including throwing Wilt Chamberlain. Wasn't he like a basketball player? Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain. He He's in that film. And Grace Jones was in the film. Okay. You know, the scary uh, black model with the, with, yeah. the, with the brush cut. Yeah. Who she always presented herself as this super scary person. Right. I'm sure she's super nice in real life, Probably. but for whatever reason, they decided she should be the scary actress. Yeah. She was in a James Bond film called A View to a Kill. Oh, yeah. Um, that was, um, oh, what's his name? One of the middle ones. Uh, Moore, wasn't it? Was it Roger Moore? Was it Moore? Was Moore A View to a Kill? Probably. Yeah, whoever it was. But it was just, it was a bad film. So I thought, why ruin this film, which is so good, mm-hmm. by attaching the you know Conan the Destroyer to it and try and mixing the two of those into a podcast? I thought, let's just do this. This yeah. is just a great film. Yeah. So let's just go through it yeah. and, and, and talk about it because what stands out is going to be pretty obvious, I think, for, for both of us right, right away. Absolutely. Uh, so it starts off with... Opening credits. The opening credits. Well, actually, the first thing is, well, is Mako talking. Mako is this actor, is this Japanese actor. Yes. And he he starts talking, like he, I'll, I'll put it in the clip, but essentially it's an introduction to the age of Conan. Yes. Between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And onto this, Conan, destined to bear the jeweled crown of Aquilonia upon a troubled brow. It is I, his chronicler, who alone can tell thee of his saga. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Conan takes place on Earth, but in sort of like this lost history. Like I think they say, what is it? The uh, for, Between the fall of Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius. Atlantis, which is bullshit and always meant as an allegory. Anyway, uh, the point is <laughs> they, they give it a time period. Right, yeah. You know, so we've got thousands BC and, and whatever. It's a big time period. But oh, it's yeah. still a time period. Yeah, I think the whole idea is these are civilizations that are lost to time. Yeah, well, we don't ever get to the point where we see Conan go to, like, London. He doesn't go to some established... Well, yeah, that would have been well well after. But yeah, well, the, whole, the, the point is, but, yeah. it's like we encounter people who are clearly meant to be Mongols and clearly meant to be either Japanese or Chinese. Yeah, It's all very anachronistic. Yeah. You know, uh, katanas... Thousands of years before they were made, chainmail. Right. Thousands of years before they were, it was created. Yeah. Things like that. There's nothing concrete to go on besides the steppe area and east of the steppe and yeah. west of the steppe, and the fact that we can recognize, oh, this is somewhere in the Middle East. Like, there's yeah, no exactly. Concrete anything. So the wizard. Let me tell you of the age of high adventure. He's the narrator, and so he talks, and then we get to see sort of the opening credits, mm-hmm. and it's the forging of this sword, and it's neat because it's underlit. Yeah, purposely underlit, where we see the guy making it, who is we learn Conan's father with the big bushy beard, which, yeah. we, as I pointed out, is exactly what you want in a an ironworker shop with all those sparks. You definitely want a bushy beard. But I guarantee you, there's a TV tropes page about blacksmiths with big bushy beards. Oh, it's a given. <laughs> um, and anytime you see like 
portraits of like modern blacksmiths who yeah. keep the old thing alive. Yeah. These fucking guys always have the big ZZ top bullshit oh, yeah. beard. And for sure. Whatever. And we see his his wife in the background. Yes. Uh, who doesn't know how to smile or anything. She's got like no expression on her face mm-hmm. at any time. Anytime. Well, it's like ancient Melania Trump. It's, yeah. it's really weird. It's it's kind of like this portrayal of these people of being, you know, they're stoic. Norse, they're stoic, they're of the stone. They do not really show much in the way of emotion. It's it's yeah. do not trust anybody but the steel. Yeah, we're not sure if they're Norse. I always got the impression that this took place somewhere like in the blood like in in the central European forest, but who the hell knows? Yeah, right? exactly. That's the point. You're not meant to, like there's, there's nowhere I, I'm sure someone has done it, but I don't think there's meant to be a map where you can say, okay, that's where this happened. Right. And there's Conan's village. Yeah. Um, and you see them make this really kick-ass sword. And then the next thing, it, it's the only special effect shot in the whole movie, which is, uh, Conan's father, which we noted John Milius, the act used the actor in the next film. Mm-hmm. He played the special, the Russian special forces guy who's brought in to kill the Wolverines. Right. Uh, here he's Conan's father and he's talking to Conan about the riddle of steel. Yeah. And the background is sort of the open sky. And clearly I think the idea is that they're meant to, they're sitting like maybe they've hiked to the top On of a mountain, mountain or and they're something. sitting and talking, yeah. but it, it, it looks like green screen. Yeah. But, very much like the scene that follows, which is the raid of his village and the death of his parents. Yeah. Remember I mentioned, and then it occurred to me as I had said it, it looks like this is Conan's dream. This isn't actually what happened. This is Conan's recollection of what happened, mm-hmm. of his father telling him, don't trust men, don't trust women, don't trust beasts, trust in your sword. Yeah. And the riddle of steel, which of course we learn, I, I think it's brilliant. We don't learn it from his father. No. We learn it from the bad guy. Yeah. Which is that flesh is stronger than steel. Yeah. But it's it's just this idea that steel is not strong. The human soul is strong. And I right. like that. It's kind of neat. Yeah. And yeah, so the very next scene is a young Conan. And I'm sure I recognize this actor, but I don't, I mean, I could look it up, but I don't care that much. Yeah. Uh, him sort of, I guess, about to ice fish. Yeah. And at the same time, we see the this horde of leather and fur and armor-clad guys riding towards them. And Conan, young Conan's first hint, is this wild man right. who's red-headed. And I get the impression he's meant to be like some wild Celt. Probably. I mean, he's, he's covered tech- in paint and he's he, running around without a shirt. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's. I think the idea is he's the wild man. He's the tracker. Yeah. He, you know, he sort of, he hops up on this rock and he looks around. And then from either side of this big rock come the... Uh, the uh, the horsemen and they wipe out his village. Right. They kill you know Conan Senior, and it's very like there's no dialogue. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's really neat. Like, it, like I said, it's very much a dream sequence because Conan is there holding his mother's hand and Falsa Doom, who is James Earl Jones' character with the long black wig. Oh, it's so uh, bad. Such a bad wig. <laughs> but he's sort of staring at him and he doesn't blink and. But he Every, never blinks. He never blinks. But he, everything is so not quite slow motion. But he moves slowly, and yeah. it's again, it, you know, suddenly we don't see his his mother get beheaded. We just see Falsa Doom swing the sword, and we see the head drop very quickly, and the body goes. And it's all from Conan's point of view, which right. is him holding onto the body and or holding onto the hand, yeah. and it falls away from him. Right. It's all very dreamlike. It is, and I I don't think that that's a I don't think that that's a false interpretation to yeah. kind of view this as a, a dream sequence. Yeah. Although I'm... Or a memory. Yeah. It's or hard a, to or tell. memory or however you want to interpret yeah. that. The other... I think it's still a perfectly valid interpretation mm-hmm. to look at it as well and just say it's a highly stylized scene. Yeah. And not have to read in the, the aspect that this is being recalled by Conan, you know, 20 odd years in the future. And it could be either. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this, this film is very artistically made. Yes. And again, you hear Conan the Barbarian starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and 50% of the audience goes not interested and yeah. they move on 
But this is such an artfully done film. It's actually kind of shocking. It is. I've watched this film many times, you know, probably a dozen times in my life. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time I really seriously looked at it and said, holy hell, this is art. Yeah. And that's very impressive. You know, you come across some movies and every so often they get panned by the critics and they sort of go away. Right. And you go back and you watch them and you go, holy hell, this is a, like, this is a lost gem. Yeah. Like uh, Ar- Darren Aronofsky's movie, <clears throat> the, the Fountain. Okay. Everyone's, it's a film with uh, Hugh Jackman, actually. Oh. Um, and it's just about, well, it's hard to describe. It's hard to describe what it's about, but it shows three characters all played by Hugh Jackman. One okay. is a Spanish conquistador. One is a, a neurosurgeon slash researcher, and the other is a bald spaceman in a bubble with a tree. It's very, very weird. Okay. But, and everyone just sort of went. It's saying, that's what everyone went. Okay, sure. Next, but it's a brilliant film. Right. And. This reminds me a little bit like that. Everyone rolled their eyes and went, next. In the case of The Fountain, it's, oh, it's Aronofsky being being very pretentious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here, it's, oh, that's just crap, sword and sandals, bullshit, leather thongs and swords, fantasy crap. Mm-hmm. And it's too bad because the artistry of this opening scene is really something else. The music, first off, rocks. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful score for this entire film. Yeah. I don't think we looked up who the the composer. Uh, composer. Thank it's you. Worth mentioning. Yeah. Uh, Basil Polidorus. Basil Polidorus. Well, Basil Polidorus did a fantastic he job did. with this. You really did. It's it's an outstanding score for this entire film. He also did Robocop, which is a good soundtrack. Shitty movie, but a good yeah. soundtrack. Uh, he did Hunt for Red October. Oh, okay. Wow. This guy's done a lot. Okay. Well, he's not a name that I'm super familiar with, but I apparently should be. Cherry 2000. There's a movie for you. I've never uh, seen that. Farewell to the King. So that, oh, it's also John Milnius. So apparently <clears throat> he's got his favorite director. He's it's sort of like Spielberg. He's got his favorite composer. Right. The Blue Lagoon. He did Conan the Destroyer as well, I guess. Okay. He did Red, Red Dawn. Uh-huh. Uncredited. That's interesting. Really? Um, Iron Eagle. <laughs> Iron Eagle. That's yeah, like a low rent Top Gun. Okay. Really low rent Top okay. Gun with Lou Gossett Jr. Uh, huh. it, I totally don't recommend it as a movie. <laughs> um, I really, really don't. Okay. But it's it's a but I don't even remember the music. But yeah. the fact that he's uncredited tells you something. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't put my name on that, please. So, but, uh, but for this, I mean, there's probably more that is conveyed through the score than is conveyed through dialogue for the majority of this movie. Absolutely. Well, there are entire scenes like this, the, the raid at the end where they kidnap the princess. Right. Remember I mentioned, like, you notice that no one's speaking here? Yeah. It's all just the music and the fighting, and yeah. it's pretty awesome because it's like they couldn't, most directors can't help but have people talk. Yeah. And in this case, they let the actors act. Yeah. 
instead of let the actors speak. Though, well, in this case, I don't think Schwarzenegger can do either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. talk a lot. You know what? That And that's fine. That makes him even more perfect for this role because, yeah. I mean, Conan is just this laconic character who doesn't need to say that much because he acts. And as we kind of said, this is this whole movie is show, don't tell. In a nutshell. Yeah. I wonder if John Millions got stuck with this and went, okay, you know what? I'm going to make the best of this movie. I'm going to make it like an art house film. Yeah. But no one noticed because it's Conan the Barbarian starring, starring right. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Uh, but you, know, you could show, I'd argue that you could show everything up until Conan is hauled away by the slavers with the other kids. Okay. I argue you could show that first 13 minutes in an art class. There's almost no dialogue other than the, the narrator at the beginning and then the narration by the father. Because up until this point, there's been no back and forth dialogue. There's been no conversation. Mm-hmm. I'd almost argue that you could go to the point where um, Conan is is taken off the the, the spoke, wheel. yeah, the wheel, and is actually sent to go fight. At that point, we've still had more progression, more beautiful scenery, yeah. more storytelling with again no dialogue. no dialogue. Well, the first dialogue comes at 17 minutes and 45 seconds. That's mm-hmm. the first time two people talk to each other. Yeah, and that's that's something that we should specify here. When we say dialogue, it yeah. is two people having a conversation. It is not exposition yeah. dumped by the but, narrator. But here's the thing. The only other dialogue up to this point has been the narrator talking at us, right? and then the quick credits, and then five minutes in, dad talking to Conan, yeah. and it's just a few sentences. It's not talking to him. It's just talking at him. Talking at him. Talking about the riddle, riddle of yeah. steel, a lesson. Yeah. And really, he's telling us. Yeah. And then it's 10 minutes later before anyone says a word. Right. And that's impressive seeing... That's not true. There is the the bit where he's being hauled off and and, and the narrator says, and he's dragged to the north and, you know, his people are erased. And, Mm -hmm. but again, it's all the talking is at the audience. None of it is that, none of it is interaction between characters. No. And that's pretty cool. So they drag Conan north where apparently it is really hot and desert-like. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's a different north than I know, but what do I know? And they give him this big ass wheel to turn like it's a mill. And it's, yeah. you know, he starts as a little boy and you see as the years go on, there's less of them pushing. Exactly. And in the end, it's just Conan. And so then they drag him off. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, a, you know, his first day there, there was this, like this redheaded kid with a whip yeah. making kid Conan turn. And then I'm pretty sure. When the big fuzzy redhead guy, because everyone here has way too much hair. <laughs> uh, well, it goes with the way too much fur and way too much leather and way too much spiky shit. Uh, yeah, it's an artistic choice. It, it is. Seems to be all the movies I show you involve like guys with leather thongs. Not, sure. I mean, Red Dawn didn't. Yeah, that's true. But a lot of the others seem to. Yeah, yeah. So next is next will be um, the Road Warrior. Yeah, the Ayatollah yeah, of rock, rock and, and roll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they bring him so after you know twenty years on the. Is it, he says it's twenty years on there, or right? Not quite well, twenty years. But some of it is a gladiator, but we'll say fifteen. It's twenty years from him at the beginning of the movie to him at the end of the movie. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, so he spends all this time year after year turning this big mill, windmill, not a mill, but a grinding mill of some sort. Well, yeah, yeah, and then he's, it, yeah, then he's dragged off by redheaded dude who's now an adult mm-hmm. as a slave. Yep. to be a um, pit fighter. A pit fighter, and that's where Arnold Schwarzenegger gets his first bit of dialogue, which is the Arnie scream. <laughs> again, no, no dialogue. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. Again, we're going to have to say it's, it's not dialogue because it's not two people talking to each other. It's just Arnie speaking to the world. <laughs> yeah, and and and, his, and the guy attacking him by biting him because he's got sharpened teeth. Yeah, that so. was. 
it's it looks very odd. It looks like his teeth are metallic almost. I think they're just meant to be filed, but yeah, I'm it's, sure. it's yeah. just it's really something else. And yeah, and so essentially, you know, more narration by the well, the, the, narrator, the wizard, the wizard, yeah, wizard slash narrator who never gets a name apparently. And he's bred to the finest women. Yes, and um, so we get this scene where a, a woman is brought into Conan in a cage and with a bunch of people just standing around outside because apparently that's the attraction of the day is watching Conan well, breed. Well, hear the way they talk about him. He is bred to the finest stock. Yeah. Like, he's a slave. Like, I hate to say it, but this is... Yeah. You know, he's he's an animal who happens to be a human being. True. You know, there's just, he's being treated. There's just a lot of people watching for just an animal breeding. Apparently, performance is not an issue for him. Uh, I mean, he does everything else in front of a crowd. Why shouldn't he do this, I guess? Fair enough. Uh, but, yeah, so he, you know, he's taken to the East and he's taught... Um, how to the way of the blade, the, the way of the blade yeah. uh, from a, a really dickhead sensei who likes to <laughs> kick, kick, who likes to slap people around and kick them in the balls. Yeah. Um, so Conan does something wrong and he gets corrected without, without words. This is more uh, just, uh, uh, but that's yeah. fine. Yeah. That, that to me just says there's a language barrier there. So talking to each other doesn't help. Yeah, I guess helped. so. No. Yeah. And so he gets slapped around and corrected, and there's another person in the room when Conan's getting corrected. He giggles, and yeah. He giggles to himself. So he gets a kick to the nards. Yeah, he's <laughs> just kicked in the stomach or the nuts yeah. or something like that, and he drops like a sack of potatoes. Yeah. And then we get, of course, the most defining line of the film is they're sitting, and it's clearly <laughs> meant to be like a yurt. Yes. Like a Mongol yurt. Yeah. And they're all sitting around, and they're all big and fuzzy and wearing their armor, and, you know, what is best in life? And the first guy says, what is it, the... The wind in your hair and yeah, the, the wind falcon at your arm. Across and, the step. Yeah, yeah something yeah, like that. It's like, wrong! Conan, what is best in life? And he gives, you know, the, the, the great line. Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear a lamentation of their women. That is when I was in the army, one of our master corporals, she... She learned that in her JLC or junior leadership course, okay. which is what you need to go from corporal to master corporal. Okay. Uh, if you're in the combat arms, you do a CLC, a combat leadership course. Very okay. different. And for whatever reason, I guess the instructors on her course decided that would be the, the <laughs> motto for the course, to crush okay. your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentations of the women. Uh-huh. But they taught them all how to do it in a shitty Austrian accent, <laughs> um, which was very, very funny. When she gave that out, and no one else got the reference when she spoke it, and I just sort of looked at her. I said, yeah, I also seen Conan. She says, oh, I don't know what it's from. We learned that on our JLC. (laughs) They couldn't even bother to tell you who that's from. Also, how do you not recognize the shitty Austrian accent? Mm -hmm. What other purpose would a shitty Austrian accent be for other than to mimic Arnold? Arnold. Arnold. Yeah. So apparently, uh, redheaded, bushy guy decides that now that he knows what is best in life, he should be sent off on his way. And I like that they say, they have no idea why redheaded guy frees yeah. Conan. He just does because he's an animal who's been caged too, too long. long. And that's just a guess. Yeah. He even says, whatever the reason, he was free. Yeah. And so he runs off and winds up in this neat crypt. Yeah, he gets chased by dogs across the step and he climbs onto a, a hillock that's got some stones yeah. on top of it and he falls and, between them and winds up in a crypt. Yeah, and, and as you point out, it's really good set design. It's very... It's... it's like proto-Egyptian when mm-hmm. everything's dug into the stone mm-hmm. and there's this dead dude sitting on a throne with this this sword. Yeah. And it's Conan's sort of like iconic sword. If you Google Conan the Barbarian, you'll see that sword. Yeah. And my understanding is, I mean, I don't think it's actually meant to be 
Conan's god, Krom. Mm-hmm. But Conan's, you know, ignorant. He's not illiterate. We learn he is exposed to words. Yeah, so. he, he clearly thinks this is literally his god. Yeah, and that makes sense based on what his father told him at the beginning of his film. Yeah. Uh, that his, his god is of the earth and below the ground and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and so he takes the sword and he whacks it and the crud comes off it. And then he uses that sword to liberate himself by slicing off his leg manacle, which he yeah. still has on. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of... That's neat. So here he becomes free by cutting himself loose with yeah. what is meant to be, I'm guessing, a steel sword. Yeah. And then he, where does he wind up after that? Oh, yeah. Crazy snake bitch. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> crazy snake bitch. Yeah. That's that's actually her name listed on IMDb, <laughs> believe it or not. I, I doubt I that she's on it. there. No. No, the witch. The witch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. So, yeah, he winds up just stumbling across this witch's house. Yeah, and, and she stands in the doorway. Could she have been announcing her intention to whore her way into his heart? Yeah, if you if you think of a, a madam standing at the door of a brothel trying to yeah. you know lure in passing yeah. patrons. Hey, sailor, come here yeah, often. Exactly. <laughs> that is the look. And uh, will you not come warm yourself by my fire? Yeah, she might as well have said, hey, big boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like she's crawling around on the ground, and it's really creepy. It shit. does look like the beginning of an interpretive dance, though, too. And- the mag, yeah, the, yeah. the magnesium and yeah. the fire yeah. and the whole. Number. Apparently, she eats that shit. We learn later. Yes. Um, and then, so she starts banging him, and then turns into a crazy snake. Well, this is she turns into the crazy demon thing after she so, imparts wisdom to him about how to go and find the man who killed his wh- parents. while they're banging away. Yes, I got to tell you, if you want to give me detailed information that I'll remember, do it while you're banging me. Okay, in your case, don't ever bang me. But the point is. Like it's just re- it's very it's it, it makes for an awkward sex scene watching her try to impart wisdom with him while he grunts and groans on top of her. It's just who thought that would be a good scene? I bet that there's got to be something in the source material about this character. I I would have to imagine because that seems like such a such a deep left feel. Like oh, can, she can only tell him the information while he's hitting that. Like that's uh, yeah. that's a decision somebody yeah. had to make. Yeah. That, and then and then and as soon as she's finished imparting the information, she goes crazy witch bitch on him. And yeah, she turns into some kind of demon. Yeah, and then he throws her into the fire, and it turns out she's been consuming that magnesium because she goes up in a poof of smoke. Yeah, and then she turns into a spirit and blows out the candles and flies out the door. Yeah, and the next morning, um, <laughs> he comes across right outside her hut, Subatoy. And this poor bastard has been chained there, listening to them bang away all night. Yeah. So in well, we addition to being very hungry, he's yeah. very awkwardly embarrassed. We don't know how long Subatoy has been here. All we know is that he is there to be a meal for the wolves. Yeah. Maybe maybe the idea is she receives all these wandering people. Yeah. And as she finds them unworthy, she chains them up to be eaten. Yeah, maybe. It's it's so hard to tell. But she is the witch, know. and I'm sure she's got machinations that extend far beyond our scope. It's like uh, Merlin. Sure, yeah. Or she's just a poorly written character meant to get us from point A to B. So, well, you know what? A vehicle that gets you from point A to point B is a success. So, works for me, yeah. <laughs> so, we meet Subatoy, the honorable warrior from the East. Well, it's a thief paid, and the archer, is yeah. how he describes himself. Yeah, uh, <laughs> paid by a dude named Lopez. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's still so funny. I love um, that. It's and, so good. Yeah, and so they sort of run off and they become fast friends because really he's kind of the the first equal that Conan has met. He doesn't treat him like garbage. Yeah. Doesn't treat him like a slave. Who doesn't treat him as an opponent. They're just friends. And you see them sort of wandering, you know, from city to city. They're looking for this snake symbol that he remembers. Right. Carried by Falsadum in the 
you know, the leather people uh, <laughs> who wiped out his village. I, I got to say, for a historical reference, it does make me think of like the Persians and how they would just sort of like accumulate, oh, they've got great warriors over here and we're going to grab one of these Celts to use as a tracker and we're going to grab uh, these people yeah, from here. And, and that's possible. I have a colleague at work who read these books as a kid. Right. And he says the movie's not, the, the movie is, there's no connection. Oh, really? That's one man's interpretation. He hadn't yeah. read the book in many years. But I have no idea. I, I, I can't imagine caring enough to read these books. I have one comic because when I was sick in grade six, my uncle went to the comic rack and essentially cleared it out and said, can it oh, be wow. And one of them was a, a Conan comic. It was actually really not about Conan. Okay. It was, it was, it was about a, an old captain of the guard in a, in a city that he had, you know, he'd retired and the new King didn't didn't give a shit about him. And in the end he dons his armor for one last fight okay. and winds up fighting beside Conan. Okay. But mostly it's about this captain. Right. Uh, so the one Conan comic I read, Conan's barely <laughs> in it. I have no idea the references that this guy Howard drew upon. Yeah. Um, my understanding is he was not a well man. Yes. So <clears throat> that injects its own sort of, pathos into the material and you can when, kind of see that like the the unwell the distance from other people yeah well jesus you see that in 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 george R. R. martin's writing like if that isn't a cry for a girlfriend i don't know what is <laughs> like this is a guy who hates women like the women in, in in game of thrones like they're all either victims or vipers there's yeah. no there's no just nice people yeah um even the heroes they're monsters Arya stark is a monster Sansa Stark is a monster. Like they're all like there's there are no good people in this mm-hmm. show. And this is true of any writer. I'm sure it's true of my novels. Mm-hmm. You can see the pathos of the writer in the writing. Sure. That means it's good writing. Yeah. But here I see someone who doesn't talk to a lot of people, doesn't have a lot of close connections. Yeah. And my minimal understanding is that he was a recluse. Yeah. And holy shit does that show. It does. The problem is we're seeing filtered through a book, filtered through a comic, filtered through a movie filtered through 30 years later yeah, and a guy who's never read any of it. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe I'm totally wrong. There's someone screaming into their computer. What are you talking about, yeah. Farron? But, and that's just, it is we kind of come into these and it's the, the, anytime we've got a piece of content that's filtered down through multiple medias, yeah. then we obviously miss a lot. Yeah. We're and, losing a lot. And there's going to be people out there who love Conan and everything about the universe. Mm-hmm. And they're the same way about Conan that I am about star Wars. Like I love the expended universe yeah. stuff. That's not the mainstream stuff. And yeah. so this is probably something that certain people really, really, really love. Yeah, and, and they, and they'll see all the connections. Yeah. That sort of thing. Where the hell were we? Oh, sorry. Uh, Subatoy and Conan, um, running from city to city looking for the symbol from when he was a kid. Right. And eventually, like, I, I like how they show it in the first couple of town cities we come across. They show the tower with the snake yeah. top to it. Yeah. They just show it to you. Yeah. It's just, it's there. And they don't even comment on it. Actually, I think in the second, the second town, the guy sitting against the wall, like the beggar, says, "Yeah, those damn towers—they're everywhere." Mm-hmm. Once it was just another snake cult, you yeah. know, as one has. Well, yeah, I think um, that that was that was, was the it? last guy that they talked to, wasn't it? Yeah, but was that the second or third town? Oh, I don't know. They Where? bounced through a bunch of different yeah, places. Yeah, the point is, it's just sort of there, and you and it's clear you're meant to like your eyes meant to go to it because it's the the most impressive, the most looming structure in each of these cities. Right. Like he's looking for this very particular type of snake cult and no yeah. one seems to know, but hey, that tower, they worship snakes there. Go talk to them. Right. And so <laughs> then they talk. bump into the, then they bump into the heavy metal album, babe, Valeria, Valeria uh, who wears just enough clothes to stop this from being X-rated <laughs> sometimes. Well, for the most part. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's, a, she, she does the part well. Yeah. 
and I actually feel bad because you, I kept waiting for him to talk to her. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Conan never talks to her. Yeah. Ever. They have a love affair. They love each other. He never talks to her. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating because she's clearly an actress of some skill. Right. She has dialogue of some weight mm-hmm. and she has nothing to, nothing, nothing to work off nothing of. Nothing to work off of. I get it. That's the idea. He's all about the revenge. Mm-hmm. But Jesus, you know, it's like, yeah, I, don't know. I mean, like, I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that, A, you didn't want to have Arnold Schwarzenegger dumping exposition yeah. at this point in time. because His that, accent may also have been very, very thick back then. Yeah. And this was early on for him when his yeah. accent was thick and when he was still having a hard time being able to get super uh, coherent lines out all the time. But on top of that, you've also got to kind of assume that if they're having this love affair, there's probably talking that's happening first off screen. Was this his first I mean, movie? He's he's in a bunch of TV shows, and I know he was in something called Hercules in New York. He was okay. he was then entitled Arnold Strong, <laughs> just in case you weren't sure. Arnold but they Strong. dubbed him. Oh, really? And there was Hercules. Yeah, Hercules in New York, and he was in an episode of Streets of San Francisco, and okay. where he played a roid rager uh, bodybuilder, which I'm sure was a huge stretch for him. Mm. This was his first movie. Yeah, and his accent must have. I mean, the fact that they dubbed him over in his previous attempt at a movie, yeah. tells you. Clearly, he was hard to follow. Yeah. And, and maybe his acting skills weren't there. Maybe. But he was the person that they needed to play this role. Yeah. And so he they does it, it fine. He's fine. He does. Yeah, absolutely. He looks the role. I mean, okay, that's not true. He, I have come to understand that he is the role because that's what I grew up with. Right. But they made a Conan the Destroyer with Jason Momoa. Mm-hmm. You know, what's his name? Uh, Aqua Dude. Yeah. Aquaman. Um, Aquaman. Uh, Carl Drogo. Carl Drogo. Yeah. But that movie came and went, and no one remembers a damn thing about it. Right. Because I th- and, and I remember the reception at the time is well, it's okay, but it's it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. So he's come to be Conan for well a, a lot of people. Yeah, and it, it was his iconic movie debut. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe they just they didn't think they could get a lot a lot out of him. Yeah. In Conan the Destroyer, which is his very next movie, two years later, mm-hmm. 1984, and then he also released Terminator in 1984. Right. In, in Destroyer, he talks a lot more. Okay. So my guess is he maybe got some, I'm not going to say vocal therapy, but vocal some coaching, vocal coaching, he worked on his accent, whatever. Yeah. Because they were willing to have him talk more. Right. Also, it's not the artistic film on this one was. So no. they said, dude, you got to speak. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, so he meets Valeria. They're going to, and they, they realize, yeah, we're all thieves yeah. here. So they immediately go and raid the tower. Mm-hmm. And... Valeria's the only one with a rope, by the way. Yes. They came with picks that they were just going to scale the side of yeah. the, the tower with. Yeah, so they scale the tower, and they steal a bunch of shit, and she... Well, not a bunch of shit. The only thing they steal is the Eye of the Snake, really. No, 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 no. They sold a bunch of stuff. Did they? Oh, yeah. They all, all remember when she, later in the in the, pot, in the bar, she reaches for, oh, for the yeah. pile, and he says, no, no, you can only have the biggest one. Yeah. I'm, he's totally thinking with his head there, absolutely. Nah. But, I mean... That in, again, that's another thing. Like, there's very little dialogue in the th- in the in the stealing scene, yeah. and and they leave some to the imaginations. Like Valeria comes up across one of these women in her Ku Klux Klanish type robes, yeah, and we see her standing behind her, and then the next time we see her, she's standing in her spot With, in her robe, yeah. So we know what's happened. Yeah, that was that was cute. That was good. You know, she's she's crumpled in a corner or tied yeah. up or 
dead or something. Yeah. But it's just kind of neat that they, there's no need to show you that. You know what she's going to do. Why show it? Yeah, exactly. And What's they, the point? they do that so well. They, they'll do it repeatedly throughout this film yeah. where they don't have to show you everything. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. It, sometimes it's just like, you, we all know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of gore to go around here. Yeah. You don't, especially that orgy scene. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. And then we see that the sort of the high priestess of this temple is one of the, uh, one of the heavy metal hairband dudes right. who raided that village years ago. Yeah. Him and his brother, Sven, it's not actually Sven, but that's the actor's name. Yeah. Arnold's old workout buddy. And so I call him, um, you know, heavy, heavy metal Hugh Hefner because he's got the heavy metal hair and that mustache. My God. Oh yeah. That is, that, that is spinal a killer tap. mustache. That's a spinal tap. That mustache. is a spinal tap mustache. That's a good call. Uh, yeah. And, and, but he's also got like the open robe, like he's walking around yep. with Hugh Hef and all these babes, <laughs> these naked, these naked chicks are mostly them. naked. Yeah. And, uh, you so know, then we get down into the, uh, the snake pit, the snake pit where Arnie and, um, Subatoy, Subatoy have gone down and, to the lower and floor. And they kill the supersized snake after they steal the eye. Uh, yeah. And then they see the symbol that he's been looking for all this time. Yes. And that's where we, you know, he definitively knows that this snake cult is part of false of doom and the guys who killed his parents. And, right. you know, I must avenge you. And yeah. All that so they've got this jade relief of that symbol that. Conan's been looking for. He snags that off the wall. Yeah. And then they kill the snake and make their way to the exit. Yeah. And and they sort of escape and that's sort of well, it, like... They do. There's the whole ceremony going on up above where yeah. there was a, a human sacrifice and she, she falls down to the snake head <laughs> just the, after Conan yeah, and, and Subodoy have left. Yeah, it starts screaming because the snake is dead and... Yeah. You know, and the, and the eye is gone, and, and all, the eye. and so then they climb back up these ropes, back up the tower, they and make a run for it. Yeah, and they the two of them get out, and then Valeria is kind of standing there watching them go with um, Snake Hugh Hefner, and then she goes, "Well, me too." And stabs the next girl in the back, kicks Hugh Hefner in the stomach, and jumps up a rope. Oh, sorry, she ties somebody to another rope to act as a counterweight and uses yeah. him to zip up the rope. Yeah, because she's pretending to be one of the cultists. Yes. And then at the last minute, heavy metal Hugh Hefner or spinal tap Hugh Hefner. Yes. Um, that's a better term. Spinal tap spinal Hugh Hefner tap, yeah. realizes, hey, you're not one of my cultist <laughs> chicks. And yeah, and she makes the escape. And then yeah, after that, it's in the it's in the pub and or the bar and tavern. The, the tavern, yeah. I guess at this point it's a tavern with yeah. a tavern wench and you know women dancing by waving their arms and there's a pig and whatever. Um, oh, yeah, there is a pig there. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about the pig. It's not a pre-medieval tavern unless there's a pig. Um, I'll take your word for it. Sure. You got go the history that. degree here. Yeah, I'll we'll go with that. Uh, hey, central heating. And yeah, she, he gives her the big jewel because he doesn't give a shit. Well, yeah, she's reaching for it and then he stops her. And well, she's going her for her share. Yeah, and he yeah. holds her hand and then we get the, you know, the silent porking scenes. And um, <laughs> yeah, that was a weird, long, prolonged scene yeah there's a lot of well they want to get the most out of her her muscular body in double d's i mean that's yeah. really all it is and yeah. that's what she's there she's there to look babyish yeah uh, with her heavy metal wig there are so many bad wigs in this there's movie a lot of bad wigs um you know uh spinal tap hugh hefner has one mm-hmm. uh, sven his brother or something has one his partner in uh, crime i don't yeah, know Yeah, false doom played by james earl jones the long black wig with the straight, straight hair bangs yeah that's something else <sighs> yeah the straight cut bangs it's really fucking awesome oh it's terrible um, the only one i think who has the hair he's supposed to is schwarzenegger i think that's actually his hair it wouldn't surprise uh, me <laughs> i i wouldn't be surprised if that was her hair as well i mean i could but, but that's such an 80s look yeah like it just shrieks early 80s yeah 
again, they lifted her. Like I, I'm telling you, they, they were they were driving along in Hollywood trying to think, you know, the art director and costume director, how do we make her look? And they stopped at a stop sign, looked to their left, and there was a panel van with one of those fantasy heavy metal uh, reliefs painted on it. Yeah. And don't <laughs> so, get me wrong. I love that aesthetic. I am a sucker for that aesthetic. I can't stand it, but I appreciate it. <laughs> it's hard not to appreciate. Yeah. You know? And yeah, so they, they, they pork a lot and um, <laughs> get drunk a lot. And uh, I'm sorry, make fashion, passionate love. No, just move on, man. Quivering member. No, let's no, not. Please on? don't okay. stop. <laughs> and eventually he gets so drunk, he passes out in his gruel. Yes, uh, that's right. At, yeah. At which point, um, Random the usurpers men the usurpers men in their 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 armor and leather and studs and, and they come to bring them before the king who by the way we've never really been informed of this king prior it's just suddenly hey there's a king yeah. he usurped the throne he's and also a northerner who used to be yeah we learned that from the narrator yeah my lord is brought to the usurper yeah whatever and it's Max von Sydow this great actor mm-hmm. who we've seen before in Dune he played um, oh. Liet Kynes oh okay. Uh, the Imperial Planetologist. Uh, he's a great actor. He's Swedish. I think we've seen him in other stuff too. I'm trying to think what other movies we would have. What daring! What outrageousness! What innocence! What arrogance! Well, this is a still suit of Fremen manufacture. The most efficient type on Arrakis. Pathetic earthlings. Hurling your bodies out into the void without the slightest inkling of who or what is out here. If you had known anything about the true nature of the universe, anything at all, you would have hidden from it in terror. And this guy is everywhere. He's great. He was the uh, Father Marin in uh, The Exorcist. Oh, yep, yep. He's just a great actor, and he's he's Swedish, but he he, he comes out with this weird British-ish accent. Mm-hmm. He speaks perfect English, but he has this weird accent to him, and it works. It's, yeah. yeah, so he's like this miserable old king who, you said you liked his hat. Yeah, he's got a cool hat. The iron crown with the with with, with the uh, it's got a little spikes the, around the, the edge of it. The fur lining, yeah. and he looks like he's off-brand Sauron. Well, um, I was I was gonna say he's uh, off-brand uh, King of Rohan. I was expecting Grima yeah. Wormtongue to come out from around yeah, the back my of the chair. Lord, do not listen <laughs> to him. The gray has come. Yeah, um, <laughs> and he's pissed because False Doom headed out with his his daughter. daughter. Though I don't know the way she starts worshiping Conan at the end of that movie. I don't think the problem was so much. False of doom as she's really easily led away by yeah, by she, dudes. She just likes yeah. strong, powerful people. Yeah, and he starts throwing gems at him, and it's actually kind of a neat scene that clearly this is a guy who usurped the throne. I mean, yeah. they say it, they call him the usurper. Yeah, probably he did it for the gold and the money. And he says, yeah. you know, there comes a point where the gold loses its luster and the gems lose their twinkle, and you just don't care. Right. And he's, he's literally, literally throwing gems at them. Here, take it. Go get my daughter. That's yeah. all I care about. And it's kind of neat because you start to realize that. He's at the end of the journey mm-hmm. that passed out in his gruel Conan yeah. um, and his heavy metal chick yeah. girlfriend are at the beginning of, which yeah. is we want wealth. Right. But even she, in a scene, actually it's just the next scene, it's isn't it? It's the next it? scene. The very next that. scene yeah. where she says, let's just take the money and go. Yeah. We can be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I walk through the streets and I'm cold and I see people being warm together. Let's be them. Yeah. And she wants off the track. She doesn't want to be the wealthy warrior. She just wants to live a life. Yeah. Well, she'd never lived a happy life before this, and she just wants that. That is all she wants here. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at this world. It's like, is there anyone in this world who's happy? It's a, it reminds no. me a lot of like Game of Thrones, where everyone is fucking miserable. Yep. Like well, it's a, it's a world where it's a world that needs a industrial strength dose of like you know Prozac or something. <laughs> 
Like these are people who need meds. Yeah, like, but I mean, it's. I think it's just meant to portray the world as it's harsh and hard and, and brutal. Yeah, and the reason that nobody's happy is because it's impossible to be happy in a world like this. Yeah, there's and you got a living and all yeah, that sort of stuff. Fine, yeah. I'll take that. That's the artistic choice mm, that's absolutely. being made. Sure, sure. Yeah, it, it's kind of neat, but of course, in the end, he Conan doesn't want the money. He doesn't care, and he certainly no. doesn't care about the girlfriend. No. This is an opportunity to go after False Doom and get his, his revenge. Mother. Yeah, yeah. So he he ditches the the rubies in the bed beside, her. and they don't <laughs> even really make a point of that. But she wakes up, and there's a pile of rubies now right beside her head. Yeah, and he doesn't just ditch the rubies; he ditches he ditches heavy metal check. Yeah, he ditches uh, heavy metal check and the rubies, and he takes off, and he goes, and he finds a, a group of cultists off to go worship somebody or another, and. Then and then he, he finds the crazy-ass narrator. Yeah, so the crazy-ass narrator slash wizard is living in a little treehouse on the shore. Yeah, because no one will go near the shores because the fires do not burn there. Right. And I'm not sure whether that's meant to be that there are spirits there mm-hmm. or it's just really shitty and windy. Yeah. Um, I get it's a little bit of column A and column B. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine it's probably um, just like, hey, what would be somebody's justification for why fire won't burn yeah. here? Also, this guy is not working with a full deck. Oh, God, no. You know, he's... He's this creepy dude who who's who's barely dressed, who walks yeah. around with like bones hanging around his neck, and his robe is made of pom poms. It kind of looks like, and he's just yeah, he's, he's just, he has this strange gait to the way that he walks, and he very much reminds me of Yoda the first time you meet Yoda. Yeah, like he's just he's weird. Yeah, and you know he sort of essentially gives him directions to false doom. Yeah, and so gives him and gives him a camel and the proper things to wear and, and the flowers. flowers he needs. Yes. And he says, you know, oil the sword, feed the horse, I'll be back. Yeah. Um before you yeah, I'll before be back. Before back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before it became the uh the definitive the, line. The definitive line for him. It's uh you know, it's kind of neat. Like he's I like that all the people that attach themselves to Conan's are rejects. Yeah. Subatoy, the thief slash archer who got captured by a crazy witch bitch mm-hmm. and Valeria, this desperately lonely thief who has wandered alone, right? Uh, despite being, you know, like I said, a heavy metal, you know, babe of a model, right? Uh, who any male, you know, any big buff warrior would happily marry. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe she likes guys who don't talk. I don't know. No, because again, she's he got never, a type. <laughs> never says a word to her in the whole film. No. And he wanders off and he finds the cult people and he lures one away. In... <laughs> no, no, no. That's not true. There is no luring. He says, can we go talk where no one can see yes, us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's because the guy, the priest said, well, you have such a beautiful body. You should be proud of it. Yes. And it's like, is that all it takes yeah, I, I we guess. We come over here when no one will see us. Yeah. I, I am shy. Like, dude, really? I assume but, that this is just like, you know, it's a hedonistic snake cult. Hey, let's go have sex over in the corner. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you're going to have a snake cult, if you don't include the hedonism, what's the point? Come on, man. I mean, it's, you know, clearly you are not welcome in my snake cult. Clearly. You know, <laughs> I still think that you should make it to an axolotl cult. I'll join an axolotl yeah, cult. Yeah, but they're going extinct. Well, and then that's what, the point. Yeah, but then what happens when they go extinct? Do we all have to, like, throw ourselves off a building or... It's a cult. Figure it out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll work on some mass suicide thing later. Exactly. So anyway, he goes to the cult. And again, another awesome set. Like, oh, it's just a yeah. set of stairs and a balcony. And it look like it, obviously it's it's wood because they mm-hmm. because it, at the end of the movie it burns yeah uh, and wood doesn't burn to my knowledge uh, I'm sorry what wood doesn't or sorry yeah, stone does <laughs> stone doesn't burn to my knowledge wood on the other hand burns really well but it looks like stone like it's really well built yeah it was able to support looks like a couple hundred extras yeah so 
you know, if you can support a couple hundred extras, that's well constructed mm-hmm. in the middle of goddamn nowhere. Yeah, just on the side uh, of a hill, like looking up at a, a mountain range surrounding them. I'm guessing this is Arizona or something, just because of the look yeah, of it. Yeah, probably. Who, who knows? But it's somewhere on the plains. Point or it could be anywhere, I guess. But yeah. the point is, it's beautifully built, yeah. and it tells you all you need to know, which is that the actual fortress is, it can, he hollowed out the mountain. Yeah. That just screams fantasy. Yeah. You entirely know. no nobody hollows at a mountain unless you're a fantasy villain yeah but it's kind of neat because it, again he sneaks in and he doesn't get very far because he he you know now he's dressed as the the priest mm-hmm. he, because uh he shows you know he, he beats up the priest yeah and takes his clothing and and uh, let's just let's analyze this for a second which oh, is oh let's please analyze the creepy priest Go ahead. well okay not the creepy priest but the the part where he starts sneaking in this is probably one of my favorite parts of this movie because you've <laughs> really? got you've got a fallible hero you have a, a hero that is great at the things that he's great at, which is beating the crap out of people. And yeah, That's he, what Conan's good at. Right, and he doesn't realize everyone's onto him. Yeah, he yeah. has no idea that when he starts flashing this stolen artifact yeah, that the, the he took from thing, the yeah. snake tower, that people are going to go, hey, didn't somebody steal that a couple of yeah. weeks ago? And eventually a guard takes it off of him. Yeah. And we actually get to see in right in front of the camera, as the camera's watching Schwarzenegger go up the stairs closer yeah. to his target, mm-hmm. We in the foreground we get to see the guard... Moving off. Goes over to Sven and... Um, uh, Sven and, uh, and, 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 sp- and Spinal Tap and, and, Hugh Hefner. Spinal Tap Hugh Hefner, yeah. He goes over um, to them, he shows it to them, and they start walking over. Yeah, there's that guy right there. And they grab him right away. Yeah. And he gets the shit beat out of him. Yeah. And then he's... But then this is neat, because this is something... This is a touch that you don't see in most films. In most films, the bad guy has the same motivation the first time you meet him and the last time you meet him. Right, But yes. here, at the beginning, and he talks about, in my youth, I sought the riddle of steel. Right. And at some point... False Doom, James Earl Jones' character, mm-hmm. clued in that the riddle of steel is that it is not as strong as flesh. Yes. And, and he, did, he demonstrates it in a really horrible way as one of his cultists jumped to her death. Yeah. But the point is, the cult has changed from being, or his idea of what he wants out of life has changed from seeking power through steel mm-hmm. to seeking power through cultism. Right. But we only see a hint of that at the beginning when he stares into Conan's mother's eyes. He never fucking blinks. That poor guy must have gone through so many eye drops. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and she's sort of mesmerized. She puts down her sword and then he beheads her. Yeah. And now he's got a whole cult like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's a layer you don't see in, I can't think of any other film I've seen it, where the bad guy literally changes their their motivation. Yeah. You don't, you really don't see it often. And I'm with you. I can't think of any time that you get that level of character growth from yeah. the villain. You've got a reason why the villain's bad. Yeah. You don't often see the vi- reason why the villain's bad change to another reason why the villain's bad. Or And worse. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. You, and, you, you and ever far see worse. Um, The Italian Job, the remake? Yeah. Um, so it's a shitty movie, of course. And the bad guy is Edward Norton, remember? Right. Who screws them over after uh, a heist. Remember, yeah. he takes all the money and off he goes. Yep, yep. And they find him later. And at the beginning of the movie, when they're all talking, oh, what are you going to do with your money? Well, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to buy that. And when they find him later in the film, once they track him down, he's got all of their stuff. Right. Because his motivation is just money. But to be an asshole, he's bought all the things the other guys had wished for with their cut of the right. the, the, the theft. Yeah. And I thought, that's like the absolute opposite end of it. It's it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a bad guy whose motivation is just steal shit. Yeah. He has to steal and actually point that out. I'm like, oh man, he isn't even original. He just took our <laughs> ideas. But here's a, like you're false with false of doom. Here's a dude who, you know, who has one motivation at the beginning. And then we're slow, you know, you slowly start to realize that he doesn't care about that anymore. He's got another way to expand his power and it's right. cult. It's right. the cult. And, you know, you should figure that out the first time you see the snake. Mm-hmm. 
But in my case, because I wasn't expected, I thought this is just another aspect of what he does. Right. No, no, it's now what he does. Yeah, this is the new plan. This is the, the new plot. <laughs> new evil plot. And I do like it because, I mean, it, it, it fits in perfectly with a progression. He was mm-hmm. he says he was seeking steel and seeking the riddle of steel, and he finds the riddle of steel. And yeah. it, the riddle of steel tells him that flesh is stronger than steel. Okay, let's switch tracks, then we're going to go with the flesh aspect. That's why I'm yeah. starting a cult. But he's also a doomsday guy. Yes. Because in the end, he, like at that very last scene, yeah. he knows he's done. Mm-hmm. Like when he sees, you know, uh, Spinal Tap Hugh Hefner and Sven get killed and all his soldiers get killed, he goes and he, you know, he has that, that torchlight vigil, vigil sort of thing. And he's yeah. saying, doom is upon us. Yeah. He knows Conan is coming for him. Yeah. He tries to cult him out of it you know, with the staring eyes and yeah. all that shit, but it's Conan the Barbarian. He's not a deep thinker. No. And he loses his head mm-hmm. uh, with his. <laughs> dead father's broken that, sword that's very literal he kind of loses his head yeah, there yeah yeah but we, we seem to watch a lot of movies where people lose their heads. highlander uh yeah don't lose um, your head this is better music yeah uh, <laughs> very true but uh you know he, so it's kind of neat that he's he's understood that flesh is more is stronger than steel but flesh withers right so he's also presumably given up on living forever in yeah. like not literally but living to an old age surrounded by armies and gold yeah his cult has a fatalism to it. I like yeah. that. It's kind yeah. of neat. It is uh, really neat. Yeah. yeah. So the whole thing where he's, you know, he explains all this and then he says, you know, you will contemplate all this on the tree of woe. I want a tree of woe, Adam. Well, let's see. We we do live in the prairies. So in theory, you could find a spot that was. The trees aren't hmm. that thick, though, to go into Bamp for that. Well. And there's a lot of trees of woe. There's a lot of tourists, too, so they're just going to uh, untie you once I tie you there to not, eaten by the buzzards. You know what? Not true. If you go a little bit farther outside of Banff Town site, you're going to yeah, be fine. that's true. The but t- there are no vultures to eat you. It'll just be the squirrels. No, the squirrels and the bears. That's true. You I have mean, to hope the bear gets you. Otherwise, man, those squirrels are... It's going to take a while to eat you away. Damn squirrels. Fuzzy little bastards with their fuzzy little tails. But to be to be fair... To be fair. I will not dress you in just a well-tucked-in loincloth. You know what? So That's we can really get, appreciated. Yeah, so we can get you from that. We can get that the camera angle looking straight up at your balls. Oh, yeah. And, like, again, it's... It, the guy was wearing nothing but a leather thong and a loincloth yeah. over it. And, and it's like, how would you like to have been the uh, the costume assistant who yeah. had to go tuck that sucker in there yeah. so they could have that vision? Because the wind is quite something. The wind is something. And, and we should probably elaborate as to what, what we mean by on the tree of woe. He's, he's crucified. He's not too crucified, but he's tied to a scary-ass dead tree in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, exactly. And he's just left there for, I don't know, several days and several nights. And the makeup in this scene, we both commented, is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, he looks burned. He's cut. He looks yeah. like they got the shit beat out of him and he's healing. But yeah, yeah it's... And he's slowly being chewed on by vultures. And then he gets yeah. to chew on a vulture. And yeah. Yeah, one of them comes down and tries to start chewing on his neck, and instead he chews on the vulture's neck and, and kills, kills it. it. Yeah. yeah. The one thing is they always take that extra step. Like, 20 million bucks, that's a lot of money. It's, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's 5 million more than the standard issue. But at the same time, that's certainly didn't spend it on uh, clothing for the women, that's for sure. Oh, goodness, no. Uh, that was a budget buy. It, that was, yeah. Six, Ben's six, fabric bulk yeah, buy. six feet of fabric for 50 women. Yeah. Um, here's your here's your quarter inch. Yeah. <laughs> and here's your quarter inch. And yeah. Um, <laughs> that's... Anyway, on International Women's Day, when we're talking about a movie yeah, that objectifies no women and has a woman who whose lover never speaks to her. Uh-huh. Happy International Women's Day, uh-huh. everyone. In the meantime, he's hanging out there and Subatoy finds him. Right. 
And how does Supatoy find him? Because he read the script and knew where to go. Yeah, exactly. That's we, pretty much it. But that, again, he was hanging out with a crazy mystical wizard who can summon demons. Yeah. Fine. Oh, well, that's why Supatoy. Yeah, exactly. Run Lopez, that way yeah, until you Lopez. find him. But anyway, sorry, I'm never going to get over that. No, you're really not. Um, so they drag him back to where uh, crazy narrator wizard is, and yeah. they wrap him up in swaddling clothes mm-hmm. and... Right, like they doodle on him. They doodle on him, um, but this isn't a frat party, so they're not like using sharpie and drawing dicks on his face. They draw <laughs> incantations of some sort. Yeah, um, it's some kind of script, and I'm sure that it's probably got some kind of real world basis. Probably not. But I think it's probably just they gave a bunch of guys, you yeah. know, black makeup, mascara. But it looks good, though. It does, and then you know they tie him to something or other, like three stakes, just three stakes. So he's sort of he's sort of mummified almost yeah and suspended above the ground and it's neat well, no, a bunch he's, of... he's on the ground he's suspended when the spirits come right and valeria of course loves him mm-hmm. has to fight to keep him there yeah and the the spirits which are clearly animated like drawn yeah. in cartoony they're really well done yeah you're never quite sure what you're looking at they're very blurry yeah you get the general gist of like a human shape a human shape arm like head like essentially a human from the waist and then from yeah. down it's your generic ghost that's yeah it's a trail trail into nothingness yeah. And they're fighting with her and they try and drag her off. And it's essentially her love must keep him there so he yeah. can survive. And he does. And, and he, he does, makes it yeah. through it. So, yeah, he comes out of it and he's like the next day he's practicing with a sword and his injuries are all gone. Right. So clearly crazy wizard dude has yeah. got some mojo. It worked. Yeah, he's it's got a some real game. thing. Yeah, he's got some game. Yeah. And by the way, that's the only magic you see other than the transforming snake shit. Uh, and, the, and the witch. Yeah, crazy witch bitch got her thing going. You know, the next day he's practicing with his sword and all that sort of cool stuff. And they talk about going in and getting the girl. And they said, you know, if we're going in there to get the girl, this is going to work. But if you're going in there for vengeance, it's not. Yeah. And of course he says nothing because he never talks to his girlfriend. Right. Uh, so they run off the three of them with a fourth horse yeah. because they're going to kidnap. Because they're going to get her back. Yeah. Because obviously she'd be willing to come back with them. Yeah. You, she's uh, being kidnapped. Remember, remember, they're on a quest given yeah. by uh, uh, the Usurper King. The Usurper King who had a yellow exclamation mark above his head. <laughs> exactly. Um, um, sorry, am I mixing metaphors here? A little bit. Uh, Although I do want to go back to that scene where they're talking for a second and they say, sure. uh, good thieves could go in there, no problem, and steal right. steal the girl back. And then I think it's Valeria who says, yes, good thieves could, but good thieves don't want revenge. And if you're a thieves with a vengeance, I'll put yeah. in a line. But yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a really, it's a really good line. line. Good thief could get in there, steal the princess, be off before she's missed in the dark. Good thieves could do that, but not vengeful ones. This is an uncommonly well-written movie. Really And is. again, you hear Conan the Barbarian starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. and you make all sorts of assumptions. Don't. Yeah. Like, if you've not seen this film, go watch this film. Absolutely. I mean, ignore the sequel, because it's garbage. But watch this one. If you didn't speak a word of English, if you don't speak a word of English, and you did not have subtitles, I would argue this movie would be just as good. Hmm, I mean... <sighs> I don't know if it'd be just as good. You'd get the majority. You'd get like 75%, 80% of this film. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't get the stuff from the narrator, obviously. Yeah, obviously you wouldn't not understand the, the riddle of steel. But and you wouldn't get like, you, I you'd mean, still, you could still enjoy this film. You could definitely still enjoy the film. Yeah. I think that there would be things that you would lose for sure, obviously, but it is still a great accomplishment yeah. of this film. Well, that the majority of it you would get. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Arnie almost doesn't talk. Yeah. Like his longest conversation is just before the battle where, you know, the day after they bury Valeria, spoilers. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, oops, uh, they don't bury her, they burn her. Uh, but, yeah. you know, it's the longest conversation he has. It's all, what, 10, 12 sentences? That's it. Yeah, pretty much. That, I mean, that, that's probably more than he says for the rest of the film. Well, he's got that. 
his conversation there, and then I think his second longest would his be prayer. his prayer to Crom, uh, which is still only a few sentences, and it's still yeah. it's all in that like there's about a five minute get there's about a five minutes in that film where he's talking, right, and that's, and that's it. it. And I there's the, I mean there's a conversation with Subatoy. What gods do you pray to? Oh yeah, well, that's a quick scene. It's a great scene. It's a great scene. It's um, earlier in the film that we missed yeah. it. What gods do you pray to? I pray to the four winds. And you? To Kram? But I seldom pray to him. He doesn't listen. <laughs> what good is he then? Yeah, it's just as I've always said. He's strong. If I die, I have to go before him. And he will ask me, what is the riddle of steel? If I don't know it, he will cast me out of Valhalla and laugh at me. That's Crumb. Strong on his mountain. Yeah, my God is greater. <laughs> Crumb laughs at your four winds. He laughs from his mountain. My God is stronger. He is the everlasting sky. Your God lives underneath him. That's neat. Yeah. That's um, a great character building scene. Yeah, and in his prayer at the end, and if you won't listen to me, then to hell with you. And that's just, that's that's Conan. That is who that character is. It's give me what I want, or I'm going to, to take, take what I want. Well, that's the whole idea, right? He is a king by his own hand. Yeah, he's a king by his own hand, and he is just such this iconic definition of what a barbarian is. Yeah, except, we, we, you know, of course, we learned early that he is literate, and he has been exposed mm-hmm. to philosophy right so he's not a dumb man he's not an illiterate man let me let me rephrase that he is the definition of what a fantasy barbarian yes yeah, yeah but isn't the fantasy fantasy barbarian essentially you know zog crush sometimes sure yeah. but you can have like you know yeah. in not every fantasy setting are barbarians just inhuman monsters sometimes yeah. there there's entire civilizations where they're barbarians why are they barbarians because they have some kind of a rage aspect yeah, or they're, they're just uncivilized yeah it's or just, they're uncivilized well, that's sure. what, i mean that's what the term like barbarian for, we keep using the term so a little history lesson for you mm. the greeks use the term barbaros barbarian because they made fun of foreigners the greeks looked at foreigners and to them they were saying bar 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 Right. Think of Peanuts cartoon where all the uh, adults go, so they would say bar, 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 bar. Mm -hmm. They are barbaros. They are barbarian. But then the Greeks and the Romans, or mostly the Greeks, viewed wearing pants (laughs) as barbaric. Yes. Because proper civilized men wear togas. Mm -hmm. Pants were for barbarians. Right. um, Who didn't know better. Yeah, it's just, it's a weird term that's, that's sort of... If you're looking at the literal world historical context of the word barbarian... Then it has yeah, some ugly connotations. It's, it's got really ugly connotations. If you're taking it, not into, racist connotations. No, no, no. It's cultural. Yeah, cultural superior. Whatever. Cultural it's supremacy. Whatever. Cultural, racial, whatever. At the yeah. end of the day, us it, versus them. Yeah, it's it's shitty tribalism. Yeah, but if you're taking it in the context of fantasy, of fantasy, and what it has become over the years, it's a dude, it's a dude with a big weapon who who bashes shit. Yeah, and whether or not he's literate, you can have in- incredibly intelligent yeah. barbarians. You can have really low intelligence well, barbarians. Think of a D and D cartoon. The barbarian is yeah. just the, is the kid, and he's got a stick yeah <laughs> you I know? Mean, and you can go and look at uh really and uh, D plays into conan so so closely and tightly and i was telling you at the beginning that originally when gary gygax was making mm. dungeons and dragons there was no thief class because his opinion was that anyone could be a thief if they wanted to just take things 
uh, Conan was a thief. Yeah. Anybody was a thief. A fighter yeah. was a thief. A mage was a thief. Whatever. Yeah. Now we have the concept of the modern rogue who's yes. the sneaky ninja dude. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, and that evolved over time. And yeah. It was a lot of a fight to actually uh, to get a thief class into Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. They're the called rogues edition. now, aren't they? Yes. Now they're called rogues. But yeah, I think same it was... Thing. Yeah, it was thief for AD. But of course, rogue doesn't mean thief. Rogue just no. means a guy who doesn't who goes by his own rules. Yes, Han Solo is it's a rogue. rogue. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's again these are terms that in fantasy and science fiction literature and in gaming, they over time they yeah change things shift. Um, it's, it, we don't speak with the same vernacular as we did twenty years yeah. ago. Well, I think I showed you the picture of that that old pulp novel from the '30s called "Gay Canadian Rogues." Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> Two of those words, for the record, mean very different things. <laughs> really, what it means is happy Canadian men who do their own thing. Yes, not homosexual Canadian thieves. thieves. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe it does. Although I uh, would actually read that book. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the book I took the picture beside it. Uh, yes. Sir Rusty Sword. Oh uh, yes, so we're not going. We're not going there. Sir Rusty but. Sword and his tetanus shots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop poking me with that needle. Anyway, <clears throat> moving on. We, we both noticed this that. When you when they sneak into back into the temple again at one of these no dialogue sections, right? We notice that there's this bunch of troops and they're marching along and and either by accident or on purpose, they're marching to the beat of the soundtrack, not music yeah. that's being played in the hall, right? They're marching to the soundtrack and mm-hmm. it's like this cool, just it's really neat, yeah, and it's this cool little thing. I I really. I feel like there's got to be something to be said for like oh there's chanting going on somewhere possibly, but I don't. I think it's just. The I think that the composer yeah. just went. I'm going to make that work. Yeah, like yeah, why not? I I don't know because those are the guys who march in and then grab the big vat of yeah, green yeah. paint with. But they're they're bopping along at the end of it. Like it seems like there is a beat that they're yeah. in time with. In oh yeah, in I'm universe. sure you could swap that out with like uh, staying alive. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's there's a great video of uh, North Korean troops in a parade yes, with staying alive, yes, and it's yes. it's perfectly to beat. But yeah, so they sneak in, and it, it's like this. Everything's in red light, almost like they're in a volcano, and these guys are in like this heavy metal war paint. Heavy metal war paint. Yeah. It's it's but it's really cool. Yeah, like they look amazing and the best part um, is it's not overdone it's like a streak across their face and maybe some on their chest oh no no it's totally overdone dude look at them but it's, it's cool looking whatever it is, it is it's like tiger yeah. stripes but yeah. it's, it's geometric shaped it's very very cool yeah and it's not just black there's white as well yeah. it's one of the coolest uses of makeup on a on a mostly naked body right you're likely to see and i don't mean that in, in a sexy no, way no. It's, it's amazing to look at. It is. Um, even she looks badass. This is the thing about her is that she dresses on almost nothing. Yeah. Just enough so that she doesn't spill out every time she, she takes a deep breath. Right. But while she's sexy, she's not presented in a sexual manner. No. Like, yes, she, she spends her time sleeping with Arnold, but she is presented as a strong character yeah. who has her own motivations mm-hmm. that it, it wind up being intertwined with Conan, mm-hmm. but she's presented as being just as strong, if not stronger, just as smart, if not smarter, mm-hmm. than these two bozos she encountered yeah. at the base of the tower. Yeah, it, she's and, an attractive person who has a brain to boot. It's, yeah. it's a great female yeah. character. They do make use of her body. Yes, of yeah, course they sure. do. But at no point did I think she was uninteresting or weak right. or a sexual-only object. Yeah. There, there's no running away in heels and tripping and falling. Oh, no, she's, she's, first off, she's smarter than they are. Let's yeah. start there. Oh, way smarter. Uh, she's not strong. I mean, okay, he's, he's Arnold, but yeah. she's, she holds her own. Yeah, she does. She takes on with four guys at the end there. Uh, While we yeah. were talking about, holy shit, there was no dialogue. Yeah. In that point, she kills four, four yeah, guys. Yeah, and she does, she does one of them in by just like leaping up, springing off the wall and stabbing him in the neck. Yeah, like she's, she's really, the, she's the 
I would argue she's the best warrior of the three. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, makeup, she's the only one who shows up with a rope when they go to yeah, Time exactly. Tower. <laughs> um, and, and the makeup, I think, only accentuates this because yeah. it's not done to accentuate her boobs yeah. or her butt. Yeah. Black costume does that plenty, I yeah. assure you. It's it's just, she looks badass. Yeah, she does. She looks badass. So um, they're sneaking in because this is where they're going to steal the princess back yeah. from. And, and it happens to be post-orgy. Post-orgy and the, the, the bopping... The bopping soldiers are bopping along with a cauldron that has soup in it, which if you look in the background in that red sort of kitchen area, there were, like, you know when you see a picture of like a goat hanging upside down and it's been gutted and only the bottom half is there? That's how they have humans. Yeah. And if you're, but if you're not looking, you may not notice it. Yeah. These people are freaking cannibals. Mm -hmm. And the the soup, which really just looks like watered down. Green uh, paint. Green paint (laughs) is filled with freaking hands. Yep. And you notice that right away because the first ladle of soup to be poured into a bowl the server takes a hand out of the bowl mm. and starts nibbling on one of the fingers yeah that's gross that is well done but it's well, gross yeah in the meantime false of doom's hanging out at the top of this sort of watching the post orgy meal yeah. and princess the princess is there and he starts to switch <laughs> into a snake and it's, yeah and that was a we kind of talked about that it's like you see a shot of James Earl Jones, and then a shot of something else, and a yeah. shot of him, and a shot of someone else. And you come back, and he has snake eyes. Well, but that's the thing, though, is that that shot, it was just James Earl Jones, hard cut James Earl Jones with snake eyes. Right, right. They did show two of them. It's like they don't even, there was no attempt at a transition. No. They didn't have him blink and do it. Yeah. They just, this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. And maybe that was just a continuity issue. Like, we, they didn't have the shot. Maybe. But, and then you see his face, and it's clearly, it's a, it's animatronic. Mm-hmm. The, the chin starts to slowly expand. Mm-hmm. But it's it's sort of thing that if you you'd look at it and go, what am I looking at here? What am yeah. I looking? And they do that a couple times, and then the next shot, it's just it's a, a snake, snake. <laughs> with the with the hat on. Yeah, like actually, no, you you see the head, and then the hands retract into the sleeves. Yes, then it's the snake. Yeah, and it's just kind of cool that they didn't bother with a bad special effect they couldn't pull off. Right. Like you say, what you don't see sometimes works best. Absolutely, and it's very very cool. In the meantime, the three thieves come along. They spot her. They start lighting the orgy on fire. fire. They start killing people, and like they're just killing like naked dudes. Yeah, indiscriminately. Indiscriminately. Uh, one of them, they didn't hide. Like he has a pot of blood under a sash across his belly, and you could see that Conan just has to swipe it into like this gush of blood. Yeah, it's like you could see the outline of the pot. It's really quite funny. But other than that, it's just like he, you know, it's it's blood gushing. You know, for a group that are coming down off the high of an orgy, these guys all have really high blood pressure. I'm yeah, kind of worried yeah. for the mental health of this organization. Because well, these guys, do? you prick them with a needle and they sh- and it comes out like a fire hose. <laughs> yeah, um, really. All really 27 great... liters of blood in your body. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely some cardiac issues there. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, so they, they fight their way through and uh, Valeria goes and she's actually the one to take the, uh, the, kid, the princess. Yeah, yeah because, when, because that's you know, basic rule of the 80s, right. only a girl can hit a girl. Exactly. And in the meantime, James Earl Jones as a snake has now slithered, slithered off. Yeah. through a hole in the wall just before everything kind of broke out yeah and so they ride off and she you know she sort of makes her own escape with the guys and they're riding away and at this point false doom back in human form yeah and his clothes apparently mm. has gathered on a balcony with spinal tap uh hugh hefner and sven and he has a snake around his neck james yeah. Jones does he turns it into an arrow shoots it and mm. kills valeria with it yeah which I I do I do think that it was cool, especially mm-hmm. given the the post scene after he shoots her and and they've gotten away to a safe distance and Arnold now has to pull this snake 
out of Valyria, which obviously it's a, a, it's a crappy it's sleight a, of hand. Yeah, it's a sight gag, and, and that's fine. But you know what? It's back to being a snake at that point, and I think that's really well, a neat yeah. idea. It's not just that he's killing them with a weapon. He's killing them with something very personal to his cult. It's yeah. like the ultimate. It's like being killed by the boss's sword sort of thing. Yeah. That's what he tries again later in the film when he tries to kill the princess. He yeah. uses a snake. Yeah, it's like um, when the Scientologists throw you in a volcano. Is that how that works? Yeah. We're getting sued. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so she dies and they set her on fire and there's a neat scene where like they're back at the uh, the crazy wizards area and there's like stone altars around mm-hmm. and they burn Valeria's body and Subatoy is crying and, 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 the, and the the wizard asks why and he says, because he's a Sumerian and they don't cry so I cry for him. That's kind of cool. Did he say a Sumerian? Yeah, because he's a Sumerian. Oh, I thought he said because he's Conan and he doesn't cry. Well, he's Conan, he's a Sumerian and they, and they oh, don't cry. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, why do you cry? He's Conan, Sumerian. He won't cry. So I cry for him. Yeah, whatever the hell a Sumerian is, but whatever. Well, Sumerians are actual people. They're, yeah. they're like a Middle Eastern culture. But yeah. if you're trying to connect this to anything historical, yeah, you know, uh, this is a fever dream. In the <laughs> meantime, the next day, they realize like, the the woman, the the princess, she's tied to a rock, and she says, "He's seen your fires. He's coming for you." Yeah. So they, you know, they it, it, it's uh one of these mont- well, not a montage, but one of these scenes where they build up defenses. That's a montage. It is, but they actually talk. It's the longest piece of dialogue in the whole damn film. Yeah. Where they're talking about what his life was like and it's been 20 years of misery mm. and all this sort of stuff. He seems in pretty good shape considering his, the love of his life is now dead. Yeah, he just blew up his, his wife. And yeah, she kind of explodes. Like, yeah. stuff in Hurtful and Magnesium too. Yeah, so. Apparently. I don't know. Is the, I'm trying to think if there's any kind of cultural reference. I don't know. It's, I think it's just it looked good the first time so just, let's use the special effect again. Oh, do you say Gibbs? Yeah. Because Jibs. Jibs, is it? It's giblets. Is, 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 isn't this like gifs and gifs? No, 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 no. It's, it's jibs. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, you, know, you actually pack a body full of that shit. Yeah, anyway. And then he makes a really cool prayer. Krom. I've never prayed to you before. I have no tongue for it. No one, not even you, will remember if we were good men or bad. Why we fought. Why we died. No. All that matters is that two stood against many. That's what's important. Valor pleases you, Kram. So grant me one request. Grant me revenge. And if you do not listen, then to hell with you. And then you have the fight with uh, Spinal Spinal Tap, Hugh Hefner, and... uh, Sven and their bad and their enemies, and as I pointed out, uh, the guys who made the the arcade classic Golden Axe stole a bunch of the sounds from this. Yeah, in the movie, and it's good. Uh, yeah, man, this is a good thing. Yeah, you know, that one's gonna got that. That's gotta. Oh go yeah, in that's one hundred percent going in. And I can choose either sound effects from from Golden Axe <laughs> or the movie. And he winds up killing all of them, and it's all really well done. And it yeah. sort of ends with Falsadoom standing on like on his own. Yeah, and he tries the snake arrow thing again with the. Uh, the princess, yeah. because he realizes he can't ever have her back, so no one else should have her. And she yeah. realizes, you know, don't kill me, don't kill me. He's he's about to whack her. Yeah. Yeah. And Subatoy is able to, just at the last minute, get in front of them with a, a shield. With a shield, and they throw the shield away. And yeah. after that, it, it's actually kind of neat, because in oh. any other movie... Oh, yeah. We sorry, should... Right. Yeah. Um, right. We're, we're looking at this quick little scene here. 
at some point uh, we realize that Spinal Tap Hugh Hefner has Conan's dad's sword. Yeah. Because all this time we had wondered what happened to it. Well, Turns out he took it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, in the very beginning... He takes the sword. He, uh, when uh, False Dune cuts off Conan's mother's head, yeah. he just kind of passes the sword off to Sven, gets on his horse, and rides away. I don't quite remember what the point is. Yeah, yeah. obviously that's where that was taken. Yeah. But he's broken the sword. Yeah. So he's um, he's used this sword, uh, presumably the sword of Krom that he found underground to break his own yeah. father's sword. The reminder that this, you know, this, again, I don't think it's actually Krom, but he thinks it's Krom, well, yeah. so it might as well be. Yeah. The symbolism being that the that the the sword of the god is more powerful than the sword of his father. Mm. It's almost like it frees him from his father's shadow. Well, to me, symbolism. I, yeah, I interpret it even a little bit differently mm-hmm. than that. In that, at the end of the day, his father made a spectacular steel sword. Mm-hmm. However, he, as a human, is stronger than that sword and is still man, able yeah. to break it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's and that's that's quite possibly. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's almost certainly what it is. You're almost certainly right. But again, uh, this is a movie yeah. open to interpretation. So. A dumber movie would have then included a final bloodbath assault on yeah. the cult. It would have had because it, because there's the torchlight. Not parade, but the torchlight gathering back yeah. at the steps into the into the temple, yeah. and it's you know false doom saying, you know, the, the the hour of doom is at hand because he knows he's he knows he's fucked. He knows yeah. Conan's coming for him, and he has no one to protect him. Right. Purging is at last at hand. The day of doom is here. In any other movie, it would have been Subatoy and Conan cutting a swath of gore. Yeah. Up that staircase mm. with False Doom waiting at the top, but that's not what happens here. No, the princess leads him back in, and he walks up. He has a conversation. Well, mostly, well, it's actually, a one-sided he does, conversation. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't say a damn word. Actually, it's right. False Doom tries to sort of hypnotize him into surrendering. Right, and Conan cuts the guy's head off with his dad's broken sword. Yeah, oh, throws the head. Throws the head. Yeah. down the stairs, and that's it. Yeah, the cultists extinguish their flames in the pool and walk away, yeah. and then. Arnie burns down the temple. Yeah. I said a dumber movie. This would have been a ten-minute epic sword fight. Yeah. Here you don't need that. We've no. we've had all the blood and guts we need. This movie reminds us it's 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 a little artistic. Yeah. And I really appreciated that, like it the minimalism was. of you don't need to see more of this. You no. don't need another battle. Jim no. Jones is dead. We can put the Kool Aid down. Yeah, you know, and I think about it compared to like the spectacles, like uh, Avengers Endgame. Right. That last battle went on forever. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. And was that battle interesting? I didn't think so because mm-hmm. it was all a video game. Right. It's oh, the, the women characters get to run with the gauntlet for a while, and yeah. then these characters, and then Spidey gets to do it, and in the end, it's I am Iron Man. Yeah. You know, it's it got to be a little much at the end. Like I, I kept waiting for the for the damn battle to end because that's not the important part. We know how it'll end, right? And here they know that. Yeah. So let's do something artful, right? And then he literally scoops the princess up in her arms and walks away. Yeah. We and we don't even get to see him return the uh, the, the princess, princess to the king because the next scene is obviously meant to be well into the future. An older Conan sitting upon a throne. Crowned by his own hound of the troubled brow. Yeah. And the narrator says, you know, he returned the princess and then yeah. went on to do many things and fought many people. Fought many and wars and scratched his balls and whatever it is he does. <laughs> that story we will tell as well. Because we know the whole point of Conan is that in the end he'll get what he wants, but he doesn't want it anymore. Right. Here he winds up where the usurper wound up. Mm-hmm. Where the gold is no longer shiny and the, the jewels no longer sparkle, where you don't where you just want someone to love. Yeah. But the one love of his life, Valeria, is gone. Mm-hmm. Because that's the whole point of Conan the Destroyer. Evil Empress Queen Crazy Witch uh, says, do these things for me. 
and I will restore Valeria. And he actually shows her, or he shows, she shows Conan sort of a ghost image of Valeria lying there. Oh, okay. And he has no reason to believe she can do this because in the fight, remember, mm. the fight before they tried to kill the princess, right. he has, uh, I'm not sure whether it's meant to be him hallucinating or what, but Valeria appears in what looks like a German opera Valkyrie costume <laughs> and blinds uh, uh, Spinal Sven? Tap. Uh, no, no, Sven gets the Oh, right, the, he gets the, the, the horn, the, 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 the spike in the trap. Yeah, yeah it's, it's Spinal Tap Hugh Hefner yeah. who gets blinded and then because he's, he's Conan's knocked on his ass and he's yeah. about to get killed. And so it's either the light or it's him hallucinating or it's a real, you know, opera Valkyrie Valeria yeah. who says, did you want to live forever? Yeah. And then she disappears and he goes and stabs uh, Hugh Hefner and that's mm. it. I'd, I'd probably tend to lean towards the idea that it was actually her. Divine intervention yeah. of some sort. Yeah. And it's quite possible. I like that they don't hint at, like, it's, the magic is... Subtle? Yeah, the magic is there, but it's not overblown. It's not someone going woogie boogie and shooting <laughs> out of a, like, you're not, you're not no one's shooting, a, a, you know, a electric bolts out of their, their fingertips. Yeah, it's nobody screaming uh, unlimited yeah. power. So, you know, so so the point is, is that he has had a vision of her in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. He has no reason to believe that he can't somehow bring her bring back. Bring her back. Yeah. And had the movie, had the second movie been as well written as the first, it could have been the tragic tale of a man who who can't ever get what he wants. And I think that that's, you know, that wound up getting played out later on in uh, the Star Wars films of Darth Vader, who, I mean, expanded universe stuff. All he ever tried to do was find other ways to resurrect Padme. Yeah. Um, and it, had it been done better, it could have been way, way more awesome. But uh, yeah, but it's, you know, that's all pulp. The problem is it's never yeah. very deep. No, that's fair. That's no, fair. this is especially deep either. No, this is this is just as much pulp. It yeah. was just an artistic film. I get the impression that John Milius and... Uh, Oliver Stone said, right. look at this piece of shit story. Yeah. Let's do something awesome with it. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I get that impression. They said, like, this is just like pulp garbage. Yeah. Let's raise it up. Just as Star Wars was pulp science fiction raised to art. Right. Even though it's badly written. You no. know. But, uh, so yeah, so there it is. Yeah. Um, any last thing you want to note or? Oh, man. Like, what man. do you think of it? I, I really like this. And I'll, I'll, here I'll make the distinction that mm-hmm. this one's a film. This is, mm-hmm. it is an artistic film yeah, to watch and enjoy and really look at critically. You can watch this film and not look at it critically and... Just get a dumb action film out yeah, of it. And, yeah, and have perfectly fun eating your popcorn, drinking mm-hmm. pop, and, and have a great afternoon. But if you do take the time to actually really delve into this film and yeah. pay attention and think critically about why things are happening and where things are happening, et cetera, et cetera... The artistic choices, yeah. yeah. You, you get a lot more out of it. It's yeah. definitely somebody something that I would recommend to a lot of other people. Yeah. Um, it does run at what, two hours and 10 minutes. Yeah. So there, there's going to be a good chunk size. Of, yeah, yeah. Good chunk of people that'll be able to happily sit through that. And there's mm. some people that are, that's going to be too long for, I'm sure. All things said and done, it's a good film. There's yeah. some minor things that we can kind of nitpick and complain yeah, about. Laugh but, about yeah. and some silly stuff, but yeah. But on the whole, it did what it did very, very well. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would suggest that this film is worth watching twice. Yeah. Watch it the first time, just kick back, enjoy your popcorn, have mm-hmm. fun. Then come back like a week or two later. Mm-hmm. And watch it with a critical eye. Yeah. And watch it for its art and the way they use music and 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 the visuals and the way they use sound or lack of sound. Right. Where sometimes you don't hear more than thunder hooves and clangs and enjoy it on that in that respect. Because they're cho- like they're all everything is chosen for a reason. Doesn't always work. Like after he comes out of his battle with the the ghosts after being injured, Conan um 
you know, swinging a sword and we hear the whoosh, 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 and we noticed that didn't work because why did you need that when you've got the music and the visuals? But every other time you can just appreciate it and go, hey, look, some beautiful music. The camera is well placed. The costumes are neat, if a little fetishy, which I think to me takes away because it looks so silly. Right. The sets are gorgeous and just enjoy a visual piece of art. Yeah. I highly recommend it. So I yeah. like it more every time I see it. Yeah, um, the first time I watched it, like I said, I didn't even get the whole way through. But I, I do enjoy this. Uh, <laughs> I do enjoy this movie, and yeah. I think that everybody should take the time to sit down and watch through it. Yeah. Now let us ride across the steps and crush women, and or no? It's, Wait, hang on a second. You got that backwards. That's right. You 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 crush the enemies and hear the lamentations of the women while riding across the step with the falcon on your arm. Is yeah, that... that's that's better. Something like that. Anyway. I'm I'm in with falconry. Let's go. Done. <laughs>